0: I should be happy not dipping the sky 14th, 2021. I am Critch, and you are tuned into Canadian Patriot Radio. It's uh, been another very interesting week, as everybody knows. Um, We've got people sticking magnets to their arms (laughs) at their COVID injection sites, which is uh, currently has been dominating my thoughts today. I've I've been reaching out to the people of Skatch to see if anybody in the province has been, uh, has tried this and if they could even verify it. So we'll see what kind of answers we get um, through this because as you and I both know, um, that is very scary to be seeing and if if these injection sites are indeed magnetized, we're talking about a metal content beyond anything we've ever seen in vaccines before. And uh, so that is definitely something to be watching. Uh, I did post a link to the video that uh, that I'm talking about in the Telegram page for So for all you f- uh, friends of mine that are in there, uh, just click on the link and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Now this isn't one or two people. This is a lot of people. Like a lot of people. And I'm assuming they're all stateside. It doesn't really give locations but uh, yeah there's a lot of people experimenting with this and uh, they film it and yes indeed. Uh, magnets are sticking to the injection site. So that's a whole nother can of worms that we have just started to open that we really, realistically know nothing about yet why why that is happening. Uh, But what I wanted to do in the pre-show is we're going to call this our um, CPR celebrity episode because uh, we've got two big mainstream Um, celebrities that have come out, uh, basically, well, one didn't necessarily come out but this one that we're going to cover, came out and said he should have never gotten the vaccine. Now, this comes to us from American, Americans Frontline Doctors, and this was published on May 12, 2021. And the title reads, Eric Clapton after COVID vaccination. I should have never gone near that needle. Producer Robin Monati today forwarded a message he received from singer Eric Clapton in which Clapton reports adverse reactions he suffered after submitting to the shot, regrets having undergone the procedure, and asks, where have all the rebels gone? The message reads, I am an old-timer. I have survived, with great help, addiction and alcoholism. I stand now in the greatest dilemma of my life. I have inwardly stood against our elected leaders since Brexit. Intuitively... Doubling their integrity and character, uh, doubting their integrity and character. With the arrival of COVID nineteen, I had hoped that C Hannigan, S Gupta, and J B would lead the way, but when Imperial uh, College stepped up with their jailer's key, I knew we were in deep trouble. I am a man of faith, albeit abstract, and what I felt and saw unfold in March on in March twentieth began. To lead me away from government rhetoric and the devotion of the general public to the PM and his cronies. I looked for heroes in the house and found C. Walker, Desmond Swain and in, unfortunate retire- and in unfortunate retirement Lord Sumption. On YouTube I found Hugo Talks and Talk Radio. That was all. Then I was directed to Van M and that's when I found my choice and even though I was singing his words they echoed in my heart. I recorded standard standard deliver in 2020, and was immediately regaled with contempt and scorn. In February this year, before I learned about the nature of the vaccines and being 76 with emphysema, I was the avant-garde. I took the first job of the AstraZeneca and straight away had had a severe reaction that lasted 10 days. I recovered eventually and was told it would be 12 weeks before the second one. About six weeks later I was offered and took the second AstraZeneca shot but with a little more knowledge of the dangers, needless to say the reactions, the reactions were disastrous. My hands and feet <clears throat> were either frozen, numb or burning and pretty much useless for two weeks. I feared I would never play again. I suffer with peripheral uh, neuropathy and should have never gone near that needle. But the propaganda said the vaccine was safe for everyone. Then I met a member of this group who counseled me to be careful and to have a look at what goes on with you guys. I felt like a veil had been lifted, that I was no longer alone, that I was okay, in fact essential to hold my intuition and follow my heart. I continued to to tread the path of passive rebellion and and try to toe the line in order to be able to actively love my family. But it's hard to bite my tongue with what I now know. I've recorded and will post here another song by Van called "The Rebels." It's not an aggressive or pro- uh, it's not aggressive or pro- provocative. It just asks, "Where have all the rebels gone? Hiding behind their computer screens? Where is the spirit? Where is the soul? Where have all the rebels gone?" I have been a rebel all my life against tyranny and arrogant authority, which is what we have now. I've, I but I also crave fellowship, compassion, and love. and that is what I find here. I believe these things, I believe with these things we can prevail. Eric Clapton. Um, that's very strong. Now w- when you've got um, people of the ca- caliber of Eric Clapton coming out and saying they full-on regret it, I, I just wish I wish they were speaking out earlier. I guess they had to get the vaccine to know. You know, nobody knew. nobody knew. But uh, now you're starting to see even major stars speak out against this vaccine, which is exactly what uh, we we need to start seeing. Um, it's just, you know, I, I didn't really want COVID to dominate uh, the podcast completely, but <clears throat> we are so bombarded with it that I really have no choice. Like, I mean, this is. This is the forefront of everything in the entire world right now. Yes, there's other stuff going on. You've got uh, the Israelis and Hamas fighting uh, in the Middle East again. Uh, I don't think anybody is surprised. You know, uh, you only had peace for four years under a specific leader uh, that really went out of his way to create peace. So is anybody surprised that uh, there's infighting and and fighting going on all over the world now? Uh, mass shootings are up. I mean, everything like it's just back to the chaos that we had before uh, with with the COVID twist to it now. So and and throw on top of that uh, governments, world governments all over the world spending uh, recklessly, like just completely going haywire with their budgets, like budgets don't even matter anymore. So we're we're right on the verge of hyperinflation. Like I, I think, you know, I, I don't want to put a timeline on it, but I think that we're going to see $20 loaves of bread here in the very near future. Like, uh, we've just started to see things. You know, this, this whole supply chain thing that we're watching where where they're they're manipulating commodities to create higher prices, that's exactly all that is. You know, we, we've seen the footage of all the lumber being dumped just across the U.S. border from the Canadian uh, mills and being stored, like miles of it. Miles of it. This guy basically walks out onto the tr- onto a set of train tracks and looks in both ways. And there's literally miles of lumber uh, stacked up to the sky that they're just basically offloading so that uh, nobody has it, so they can jack the prices. The same thing with the automotive industry, uh, steel, uh, all your commodities. You know, now we've got pipelines. Supposedly heavy air quotes hacking going on to pipelines, which uh, I mean was predicted, was it not? Uh, did we not see that? Um, You'd see uh, all sorts of uh, like grid problems from uh, Klaus Schwab. Did he not pre warn us that this was going to happen? So now you got a pipeline that gets hacked, supposedly in the US, and half the states are without fuel. Like, I mean, they, they tell us everything they're going to do, and we are literally watching it unfold. So nothing should be. Too much of a surprise if you're paying attention. But are we all prepared? Like, how far is this going to go? Like, th- you know, you know, the end game of the globalists is to to force us into submission. And if they're if you know their their CCP virus doesn't do it, well, then they'll collapse the economy and make us all basically be begging for food. <laughs> but there is still hope. I think there is. Uh, <clears throat> I think there's actively very good things we can focus on that are counter punches that are creating huge waves. And I mean, one of them is the counter narrative to COVID-19. So obviously that's why it's in the forefront because this is literally affecting everybody. Now, whether you've got, you know, someone that died of COVID or you know, someone that's had, that got the shot is having adverse effects. That is the most guarded information right now. And, uh, anybody that does know or uh, you know elderly per- people that did get the shot and passed away they're very very tight-lipped about it uh, because I think so many people want to believe that this vaccine is is a good thing and and you can't blame them like you you seriously can't like it's 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 an emotion based fear response people are getting the shot because they're scared and you just simply can't take it out on them <clears throat> so it's you know like we've talked about this at, 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 in length in previous shows. All we can do is try to, um, you know, try to figure out what exactly it is that is happening here and work through it with everybody involved. You know, you still have the resistance by a lot of people that are, that think we're absolutely nuts for not even, you know, for not signing up to get this job. But uh, me personally, there's no long-term effect studies. I'm not down. That's, it's, it's that simple. I don't have to get more complicated than that. Explaining it to anybody, I'm just not going to put anything in my body that I don't know what the long-term effects are. So... Shun me. Publicly shun me if that's how you feel better about yourself. But I am not down. Anyway, my friends, I'm starting to ramble already, so let's get this show started. We'll be right back. Welcome, friends, to Canadian Patriot Radio, where conspiracy is not theory and political corruption finds the spotlight. At CPR, we are committed to upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons' commands. Welcome back, my friends. Um, You know, the other thing that's starting to come to the surface here is, uh, you know, I I don't know if I covered on the show or not, but we are hearing about the CDC has basically changed the rhetoric um, for governments. They do not have to report uh, breakthrough infections, which basically means um, people that have have received both vaccinations, double or double vaccinated, uh, are still getting COVID. Uh, to the tune of, you know, we know of like 5,800 cases, probably more by now, because it's happening to even famous people, which we are about to get into. Um, but it's, it's starting to happen to sports figures, uh, celebrities, uh, people that have a public voice. Um, just the other day, I posted, I reposted uh, about the New York Yankees. Listen to this. Yankees confirm eighth positive diagnosis of COVID-19 this week in a player who was fully vaccinated and previously had COVID during the off season. All of the positives are breakthrough positives occurring with individuals who were fully vaccinated. So you have the entire New York Yankees team basically shut down because you got COVID running rampant through the team of fully vaccinated, double vaccinated people. Now let's move on to this next one, which uh, this article comes to us today from the Daily Wire, believe it or not. And the title reads, Bill Maher test positive for COVID-19 despite being fully vaccinated. Uh, This is by John Brown. It was posted today, March or May 14th, 2021. HBO host Bill Maher tested positive for COVID-19 despite having been fully vaccinated, his show announced Thursday. The the Friday, May 14th taping of Real Time with Bill Maher has been cancelled. The statement read, Bill tested positive during weekly staff PCR tests for covid He is fully vaccinated and as a result is asymptomatic and feels fine. Oh, right. It's the vaccine doing that. We never had asymptomatic people before, you know, especially when they were running 40 cycles and pretty much every healthy person with any type of remnant coronavirus, which could be the common cold, was getting positive tests. But it's all because of the vaccine, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, Real-time production has taken every precaution following COVID CDC guidelines. No other staff or crew members have tested positive at this time. The show will be rescheduled at a later date. Thanks to all wishing me get well. Hard to do since I feel perfectly fine, but I appreciate it, Mara said in a tweet. Most upset about ending my streak going back to 1993 of never missing a, political, a politically incorrect or real-time episode. Oh well, even Cal Ripken had to sit one out at some point. Oh, compa- Bill Maher comparing himself to Cal Ripken. Oh, that's rich. That is so rich. Um, I'm sure you can tell by the tone of my voice. I've never been a Bill Maher fan. I, I think he's, ugh. I don't know. He's just a he's a late time talk show host. So basically, he's in the liberal group. Like to 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 even get a talk show, a primetime talk show, you basically are <laughs> compromised. But Bill Ma- Bill Maher's history is very interesting. Uh, I'm a firm believer that Bill Maher is probably. Uh, child of Hugh Hefner. Now, and I, I, it's the same kind of concept that you, when you look at Bill Maher and and Hugh Hefner side by side, it's the exact same concept we see with Trudeau and Castro. Um, You know, anything over 80% likeness is is likely genetic, is the golden rule. And when you put Bill Maher right beside Hugh Hefner, it is way over 80%. So he was basically bred into, um, I guess, fame. If, if you want to so call it like I think all, a lot of these people like uh, when you think of Hugh Hefner um, most people think Playboy. I personally because I've been, look, been looking into him for a long time think CIA Honeypot. I think that was one of the most favorite things they used to like to do was get politicians, judges, anybody that they needed to compromise in a situation where they probably potentially cheated on their spouse and uh, the Playboy Mansion was a place where that happened lots. They filmed the entire thing and when they needed that judge or politician to make a specific decision or or uh, support a bill, uh, they would just show them the clip and say, listen, you're on board, you're going to help us make this happen. Anyway, I'm getting off topic again. Let's go back to Bill Maher, or should we say Bill Hefner? <laughs> Maher slammed the media, health officials, and government in, re- in a recent monologue accusing them of taking a scared straight approach, approach to informing Americans about COVID-19 instead of simply giving it to me straight. Mara is not the first person to test positive for COVID-19 despite being vaccinated. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention CDC website, here we go, there has been 9,245 so-called breakthrough cases of COVID-19 as of April 26th. April 26th. The last number I had seen was 5,800. Oh, there you go, my friends. We're learning as we go. The CDC notes, it's important to note that reported vaccine breakthrough cases will represent an undercount. This surveillance system is passive and relies on voluntary reporting from state health departments, which may not be complete. Also, not all real-world breakthrough cases will be identified because of lack of testing. This is particularly true in instances of asymptomatic or mild cases. These uh, These surveillance data... Are a snapchat and help identify patterns and look for signals among vaccine breakthrough cases. CDC recommends that fully vaccinated people continue to take steps to protect themselves and others in many situations, like wearing a mask, maintaining a, an appropriate social distance from others, avoiding crowds and poorly ventilated spaces, and washing their hands often, the CDC further advised. So there you have it. Celebrities speaking out, saying they wish they had never gotten the jab. Uh, complete baseball teams for coming down with breakthrough cases. And now a primetime slotted uh, talk show host himself. Uh, probably one that was probably pushing the narrative. I don't watch the guy, but if any of you do, I, I'm sure you'll tell me. But I'm sure he was probably pushing the narrative nonstop. Uh, this anti-Trumper. And uh, and now he himself is, is down for the... <laughs> well, he feels fine, but he's got COVID-19 double vaccinated okay let's uh let's move on to another article here my friends all right we are starting to finally see some evidence of stuff that we all pretty much knew already um and we're gonna swing over to alberta for this article and this comes to us from the justice center for constitutional freedoms and it was uh, posted on May 5th, 2021, and the title reads, Alberta government's own data shows hospital bed and ICU, ICU utilization at five-year low. The Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms today released extensive government data showing that Alberta hospitals are not overcrowded, are in no, way, in no immediate danger of being overwhelmed, and haven't been in serious danger of turning away patients for more than a year. Alberta government data contradicts the assertion of Premier Jason Kenney that further restrictions on charter freedoms of association and peaceful peaceful assembly and the shutdown of personal uh, wellness, bars, restaurants and small businesses are necessary to protect Alberta's health care system from being overwhelmed. On Tuesday, May 4th, 2021, Jason Kenney announced a fourth wave of extreme lockdown measures, including closing hair salons, tattoo shops, personal wellness services, schools, post-secondary institutions, and outdoor patios, among other closures. Evidence uncovered by the Justice Centre through Freedom of Information requests revealed that regular hospital beds, as well as intensive care units, were in significantly less demand and usage during 2020 and 2021, that in any, any year as far back as 2015. In fact, 2020 ICU admissions were at their lowest level since 2015. In January 2021, bed utilization was 90.12% compared to 95.21% bed utilization in January 2020. The same pattern is repeated for February 2021 when Alberta was 11 months into lockdown restrictions. In March through May 2020, bed utilization plummeted, likely as a result of lockdown cancellations of more than 22,000 scheduled surgeries, which resulted in in the death of Jerry Dunham in Medicine Hat. In early 2021, the 93% utilization rate was below the 96% level recorded in the years 2015 through 2019. The government has not provided further ICU utilization numbers for 2021. However, during the last quarter of 2020, ICU utilization province-wide was comparable to or, or less than previous years. There was a slight rise in December 2020, but ICU spaces in Alberta were still well below full capacity. On the 3rd of April 2020, the Alberta government had 1,935 acute care beds available for COVID-19 patients, according to a modeling document the government posted on its website on April 8, 2020. Uh, AHS planned to expand the number of acute acute care beds dedicated to COVID-19 patients to 2,250 by the end of April 2020. The same document also stated AHS plans to be able to increase ICU capacity to 1,081 beds for COVID-19 patients by the end of April if necessary. Obviously, the Alberta government has failed to follow through on these commitments made in April of 2020. Creating necessary capacity to treat patients would have cost a lot less uh, than the daily damage that lockdowns inflict on Alberta society and economy. The physical, mental, emotional, and financial well-being of Albertans, states a lawyer and Justice Centre president, John Carpe. Carpe. We are now in our 14th month of charter violations and economic destruction. The government has had ample time to increase hospital and ICU capacity, but instead blames Albertans for trying to live their lives normally, concludes Carpe. Very good point. Um... And then there's a whole bunch of charts here that uh, basically just uh, verify exactly what we were talking about. Um, you know, they've got everything from graph charts to everything, and and then the numbers. They've got the numbers too. So, a great article disproving um, some of the stuff that we are seeing uh, or hearing uh, in every province. It's not just it's not just uh, in Alberta or Saskatchewan or Manitoba like this is this is Canada wide you're hearing the same rhetoric right almost as if they all got the same playbook very strange <laughs> okay from Alberta I want to move over to Manitoba and this also comes to us from the Justice Center for Constitutional freedoms and this one the title reads Manitoba chief microbiologist and laboratory specialist 50 uh, says 56 percent of positive cases are not infectious this was posted on May eleventh, twenty twenty-one. Winnipeg, the Justice Centre uh, represents churches and individuals who are challenging government lockdown restrictions in the Court of Queen's Bench as justified, as unjustified violations of the Charter freedoms to associate, worship, and assemble peacefully. The hearing commenced on May third, twenty twenty-one, and is continuing this week. The onus is on the Manitoba government to justify its restrictions on charter rights and freedoms as being reasonable, necessary and beneficial. One of the crucial issues in this trial is the operation and reliability of the uh, Polymerase Chain Reaction PCR test that is used by governments across Canada, including the Manitoba government, to diagnose COVID and measure its spread. Okay, I'm just going to scroll down a little bit here because there's an article within an article that I don't think we need to read because we are pretty well versed on PCR tests. We kind of know what's going on here in Canada. Carrying on, the Justice Center's expert medical witness, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. World-famous epidemiologist and professor of medicine from Stanford University, and Dr. Thomas Warren, infectious disease specialist and medical microbiologist, both provided evidence that the PCR test is unreliable in determining whether a person is is infectious with the COVID-19 disease. Chief microbiologist and laboratory specialist Dr. Jared Bullard is a witness for the Manitoba government in this hearing. Questioned under oath by the Justice Centre lawyers, on Monday, May 10th, Dr. Bullard acknowledged that the PCR test has significant limitations. The head of the CADAM Provincial Laboratory in Winnipeg, Dr. Bullard, admitted that the PCR test results do not uh, verify infectious, infectiousness and were never intended to be used as to diagnose respiratory illnesses. Dr. Bullard, Dr. Bullard testified that PCR tests can be positive for up to 100 days after an exposure to the virus, and that PCR tests do nothing more than confirm the presence of fragments of viral RNA of the target SARS-CoV-2 virus in someone's nose. He testified that while a person with COVID-19 is infectious for one or two uh, a one or two week period. Non-viable viral SARS-CoV-2 fragments remain in the nose and can be detected by PCR tests for up to 100 days after exposure. Dr. Bullard testified that the most accurate way to determine whether someone is actually infected with COVID is to attempt to grow a cell culture in the lab from a patient sample. If a cell culture will not grow the virus in the lab, the the patient is likely not infectious. A study from Dr. Bullard and his colleagues found that only 44% of positive PCR test results would actually grow in the lab. You see, that's that's new to me because we've covered on this that there's still like there's still a 1.2 million dollar reward for an uh, an actual purified sample of the SARS-CoV-CoVid-2 virus. So I wonder what they're actually looking at there. Let's carry on. Dr. Bullard's Dr. Bullard's findings call into question the practice used in Manitoba and elsewhere in Canada of the results of classifying positive PCR tests as cases, which implies infectivity. Equating positive PCR tests to infectious cases, as so many provinces have done over the course of the past 13 months, is incorrect and inaccurate, according to this Manitoba government witness. Dr. Bullard acknowledged that he, was being cl- that he has been closely studying the correlation between cycle threshold value and infectious, infectiousness since at least May 7, 2020. Dr. Bullard acknowledged that Manitoba has known for some time that a given PCR test's CT value is inversely correlated with infectiousness. This means that testing for COVID at higher, thresholds, at higher threshold levels can result in false positives as explained in this article. Even the World Health Health Organization notes that careful interpretation of weak positive results is needed. Weak results are those run at higher thresholds. Uh, In brackets it says more cycles. For example, someone with a positive PCR test that is run at 18 cycles is more likely to be sick and infectious than someone who has a test run at uh, a CT value of 40. Dr. Bullard confirmed this was one of the first first studies of its kind linking uh, CT value to infectiousness, and his study confirmed the findings of other studies in France and elsewhere. Dr. Bullard also testified that CT value is significant as a proxy or indicator for infectiousness. However, despite Dr. Bullard's, Bullard's findings and recommendations in his two peer-reviewed studies, Manitoba still does not consider CT, value, CT values as a proxy for infectiousness in its public health response to COVID-19. Both Dr. Bullard and Manitoba Chief Medical Officer Dr. Brent Rawson confirmed under cross-examination that CT values are not provided to the public health officials by laboratories. Dr. Rosen admitted that he could mandate the CT value v- value being provided to him, but that he has also not done so. Some jurisdictions, for example, uh, Florida, do consider CT value in their public health response to COVID. Finally, it should be noted that some Canadian news agencies have quoted Dr. Bullard as testifying that a positive PCR test indicates infectivity 99.9% of the time. This is incorrect. Rather, Dr. Bullard testified that a PCR test will detect any viral RNA that is present in a sample 99.9% of the time. However, Dr. Bullard testified that uh, determining whether or not a sample is actually infectious needs to be confirmed by a lab culture. As noted, only 44% of the positive samples using uh, CT of 18 returned a viable lab culture. At At 18 cycles, it was only 44%. Samples tested at uh, CT of over 25, according to Dr. Bullard's report, produced no viable lab cultures. So that is, there you go, I mean there, there are active cases all over Canada that are basically disproving this whole thing like this everything we've been subjected to like and the lid is still on from the mainstream media which you just learned has basically been twisting the words of a medical professional to carry on the narrative at what point does this become criminal my friends like at what point do we you know if we had a justice system in this country do we not start seeing the media get hit with charges for pushing false narratives um, I should mention that this this article came came to us by way of my brother, so uh, thanks for that bro. That was a good one. Um, now what do I want to do? I want to now shift over to um, the US because OAN has been kind of covering Canada very well and they do a great summary uh, of basically what has been going on. So let's let's listen to a clip here. It's, it's, a, it's fairly long. Um, we might shorten it down a little bit and we'll chat about it after. <clears throat>
1: If there's been one great equalizer of international politics, it's COVID 19. For whatever reason, regardless of the names of our political parties, global establishments are continuing to align themselves against the people. And independent people across the world are speaking out against the injustice of lockdowns as violations of personal freedoms. With Canada, Being the latest example. Just last week, Canada, too, experienced a dismal jobs report as, thanks to a third wave of brutal lockdowns, Canadians have lost 200,000 jobs in the month of April alone, while unemployment rose to 8.1 percent. But if anyone dares question or protest against the Canadian government's authority to violate the rights of its citizens, well, According to federal new Democratic Party leader Jagmeet Singh, these citizens are really participating in quote, thinly veiled white nationalist supremacist anti-government protests. Still worse, those who refuse to comply with the government's arbitrary demands are now being arrested for simply exercising the rights given to them by God. Do you remember seeing this viral video of what happened at a church service Easter Sunday in Canada?
2: Ouch. Out of this property! Immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out.
1: Well, just this past Saturday, the officers did come back to arrest Pastor Arthur Pulowski of Calgary Street Church in Alberta. Here's what happened to him and his brother on their way home from a church service on Saturday. Wow. did Pastor Polovsky do that was so offensive to warrant him being handcuffed and jailed? Well, this. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Polovsky was arrested and thrown in jail on Saturday and released on Monday because, quote, I just want to praise you. Joining us now, the MP representing Hastings Lennox in Addington, Ontario, Derek Sloan. Mr. MP, is religious liberty really now a criminal offense there?
2: For the first time in our country's history, we now have an underground church in Canada, and it's appalling.
1: It's unbelievable. You're watching that. You're like, this is Canada. This seems like something that you would see in Nazi Germany, in Russia, in China. But this is Canada all because he held a church service and people didn't wear masks.
2: Yeah. So we have the same history as the United States in terms of people going to church, a Christian background. And right now, because of our fixation on these radical lockdowns, we are literally changing the locks in churches, fencing churches for, for churches that don't comply, uh, led by pastors who are driven by conviction and are have the courage to stand up to this.
1: Well it's unbelievable to see this because I don't you don't see this really covered in the mainstream media, the global mainstream media. And even hearing that Democratic Party leaders saying that you're a white supremacist, that you're a nationalist, if you simply question the governments. Now it's a thing to be you're anti government? Whatever happened to being free thinking people?
2: Well, it's a great point. And you know, Canada is, is like the U.S. in the sense that, you know, people on the left or people, if, if, if other people don't agree with them, they call them racist or they call them names. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have been uh, at rallies in Ontario right now every single weekend. Ontario is under a strict lockdown. We're not allowed to have any public meetings of any sort. I am at rallies now that routinely uh, uh, draw thousands of people. I was in a tractor and vehicle convoy last weekend that stretched 37 kilometers. These are farmers. These are small business owners. These are regular families. These are not uh, white nationalists or whatever uh, uh, slur they want to throw at us.
1: You just want to be able to worship freely, go to work freely, but a third wave of lockdowns. We're a year and a half almost into this now, and your jobs report just came out. Of course, ours is terrible, too, but what is the government doing? Are they just simply they're still just so addicted to the power of telling you what you can and can't do that? They're just going to do this until what they have 100 percent vaccination.
2: Well, just today, I actually called for a Royal Commission inquiry into our handling of the COVID-19 crisis. That is the highest level of inquiry that we could do in this country. And I think that our government has failed in its handling of this. They have failed to recognize other better ways of doing things. We have good examples in your country. There's other countries that are doing things differently. And yet they seem to think the only thing they can do is kind of turn on the money spigots, uh, you know, batten down the hatches and pray for other days. But we see good examples of, of ways to deal with this that don't involve destroying people's lives and jobs.
1: And what's been the reaction within Parliament for you actually to participate in these protests? I mean, are you going to be the next one? They're going to come beating down your door and saying, no, you can't do that. That's a, you know, you're going to go to jail for that.
2: So I have had the, I have received one court summons over violating uh, the, the laws that we have. I think for them to arrest me would be a huge uh, step, potentially a game-changing step, but it's possible. Um, But I'm gonna keep fighting regardless of what happens. I'm here to do the right thing, and the right thing right now is to stand up against these tyrannical lockdowns.
1: What do you think it is about this global establishment? Because for the first time in history, Every country is pretty much facing the exact same thing. It's the government trying to take 100% control and the citizens saying, no, we want our freedoms back. They weren't given to us by you. They were given to us by God.
2: Well, listen, you're right about that. This is a conglomeration of all the negative interests that have existed before uh, wrapped up into one thing. So we have, you know, pharmaceutical interests, other high level interests that are preventing YOU KNOW, CHEAP, PROMISING uh, uh, TREATMENTS THAT ARE SHOWING uh, GREAT uh, RESULTS in, IN TESTS AND SO ON, AND OUR GOVERNMENTS ARE JUST FAILING TO, uh, to ACKNOWLEDGE THEM, AND IT'S, it's A MAJOR ISSUE.
1: Well, it's encouraging to see the people aren't going to be silenced. They realize that is their country. They should have the right to have a voice in government. But Justin Trudeau, you see this establishment elite where they live by a different set of standards than they expect everybody else to live by. So do you think this is going to impact your elections going forward? Because the economy, everything just seems to be crippled by this. And we really are becoming third world countries because the freedoms are being abolished.
2: Well, six out of 10 Canadians in a recent poll felt that they didn't identify with any current federal political party. So the appetite is growing for something new, a movement which respects uh, citizens, respects democracy, respects freedoms. And I am working to promote that, to to create a movement with others who feel the same way. Uh, I believe for sure there's a tremendous amount of arrogance at the highest levels. And I think they'll pay for it dearly, uh, hopefully in the next election.
1: Within your own party and within Parliament, is it a very slim majority, I guess a minority, that feel the way that you do? Because you've been called the the only anti-lockdown MP there. Is that true?
2: Well, I had the good fortune of actually being ejected from the party that I was in before Uh, So I am free to do and say whatever I want to, and I'm using that opportunity to great advantage. There are many others that sympathize with me, a minority of people, but there are many others. But they just feel, you know, they don't wanna have what happened to me happen to them. But there comes a time where you have to stand up and you have to do what's right, regardless of the consequences. That's the road I took, and frankly, I'm I'm glad to have done so, and I would do it again.
1: What is the feeling among law enforcement? Watching that video, seeing how law enforcement was treating that pastor, are they buying into the government's narrative on this, or do they really not want to do what they're having to do?
2: So some do, my sense of it, and there are actually police groups. We have a stand on guard for thee, which is a, a group of retired and current police officers that are against the lockdowns. They tell me that it's almost maybe half and half inside uh, in terms of, you know, people debating how to do this. But I think the police, you know, I, I think there may come a time where they stand up fully against us. We did have an, we did have an example just a few weeks ago where, where Premier Ford in our province here, in Ontario, said that the police had the right to arbitrarily stop people and ask them what they were doing. And all of the municipal police forces in the province said, well, we're not doing it. So that was a good sign, but there's still more to do. And, and frankly, I would encourage the police to, uh, to stand up to their oaths and, and, and to protect our, our rights and our freedoms.
1: Exactly. Well, thank you for your courage on this issue because it really is a global sentiment among free people everywhere that these rights they're not given to us by our government. They're given to us by God. And to actually think that in America and in Canada you could actually be persecuted for your faith because COVID is just an unbelievable thing. Thank you for what you're doing fighting against it. God bless you and keep us posted because we are unfortunately all in this together.
0: Thank you. So, <clears throat> I uh, I just want to add my two cents, I guess. Um, it, it's not, <clears throat> it's specific religions we're starting to see. Uh, it's only Christianity that seems to be getting attacked. Um, I, you guys, as well as myself, are seeing examples all over the country where uh, mosques are o- uh, worshipping openly, freely, and uh, there's absolutely no problems with the police. They're leaving them Leaving them them alone. Uh, the mosques are packed uh, inside. No, I don't care what faith you are. This is not a faith thing. Uh, for me, it's a discrimination thing. Um, so what what's what is so so bad about Christianity as opposed to any of the other faiths? How come the other faiths are are worshiping freely and uh, doing what they what they want? Uh, that that seems to be a question that uh, clearly should be asked to our police forces and our government because uh, I don't know about you but that pretty much is the definition of religious discrimination (laughs) it it truly is when when you start like poking and prodding it I you you really can't you know you can put lipstick on a pig but it's still a pig okay what I want to do now is I want to focus over way across the globe on uh, A recent gun grab in New Zealand that is not going the way that we are being told and uh, this comes to us from Justice for Gun Owners and it was posted on uh, May 13th and the title reads Royal Commission undermines justification for New Zealand gun laws. Sorry this was May 8th. (laughs) The Royal Commission undermines Arden's justification for New Zealand's gun laws. In their De- uh, December report about the 2019 terrorist attack on Christchurch, the commission's finding exposed the justifications for draconian firearms laws as baseless. Following the attack, Prime Minister Arden promised our gun laws will change, going on to impose a wide range of new firearm restrictions. Arden exploited public horror to expand government powers following the plans she and the police had started before the terrorist attacked. Never never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, you know, you're going you're gonna to just giggle at the similarities. Well, you know the similarities already between New Zealand and Canada. Um, you know, we were kind of exposing how quick, uh, how quick the, uh, the letters came out to any gun owners that had their, their scary guns that they're after, right? Uh, it was almost immediately. Almost immediately. So, I mean, they had it pre-planned in Canada as well. Anyway, let's get back to this. Immediately after the terrorist attack in Christchurch Church on March 2019, Arden responded by launching a buyback of scary-looking guns through an order in council. Oh, it was an order in council as well. Jeez, I didn't even know that. <laughs> wow. Just completely mimicked the exact step-by-step procedure that Trudeau took, or Trudeau mimicked hers because she was first. She did so without waiting for the report from the Royal Commission of Inquiry she had set up to investigate whether public sector agencies had done all they could to protect the people of New Zealand from terrorist attacks and whether more could be done. Ardenne's decision to focus on firearms was blatantly self-serving and was done despite official recognition that there was no evidence that uh, banning semi-automatic firearms would have any effect on violent crime or gun deaths. Arden followed up the buyback with a flurry of new gun restrictions. Two tranches of firearm restrictions were hustled through Parliament, first in 2019 and then another in early 2020. The first tranche, the Arms uh, Prohibited Firearms, Magazines and Parts amended bill, banned a large number of semi-automatic and military-style weapons, such as those used during the Christchurch terror attack. The second tranche imposed a universal firearm registry, among other radical changes. The new uh, restrictions include reducing the 10-year firearms license to to five years, barring visitors to New Zealand from purchasing firearms, increasing the powers of police to take guns, requiring a firearm license for purchasing ammunition and parts, and registering the country's estimated 260 gun clubs, Applicants will now be required to include the name of a health practitioner as a reference who the police can consult before issuing a license. Police Negligence Arden claimed that the new laws were needed because the killer got his guns legally. The facts say otherwise. The Royal Commission found that police negligence allowed the terrorist, a racist environmentalist, to get his firearms license. The Commission documented how police mismanagement was responsible. The guidance given by the New Zealand police to licensing staff was inadequate, as was their training. Had the police followed proper guidelines, the terrorists would not have been allowed to buy firearms. In short, better administrative practices were needed, not sweeping new laws. The police reacted by demanding increased powers to fight terrorism. In the words of the Royal Commission, known risks and deficiencies in the firearm licensing system were not addressed. Instead of focusing on improving police management, Ardennen exploited New Zealand's shock and terror to blame easy access to firearms, particularly military-style semi-automatic rifles, in order to vastly expand government powers. Her promises made immediately after the terrorist attack to change the gun laws were backed by the police and opposition parties publication of the Royal Commission report in December forced both Prime Minister Minister Arden and the Public Commissioner to publicly apologize. Arden apologized on behalf of the government and directly to the Muslim community in New Zealand. Not to be outdone, the police apologized for their failure in issuing a gun license to the terrorist. Unfortunately, Arden did not apologize for her personal responsibility for changing, perhaps weakening, the gun laws prior to the terrorist getting his guns. Nor did she apologize for introducing necessary, ineffective gun laws. Instead, she expressed regret for not expanding government sufficiently to keep everyone safe. Prior to the publication of the Royal Commission report, Ardennes had promised accountability, but afterwards, despite apologies, no one was held to blame. In addition to recommending vastly expanding powers of government agencies, the Royal Commission reminded all New Zealanders of their responsibility for making the country uh, safe and inclusive primarily by promoting the benefits of diversity. Everyone has apologized, but no one is to blame. Ardenner government officials made it clear that the Royal Commission exonerated them. The Royal Commission found no failures with any government agencies that would have allowed the individuals' planning and preparation to have been detected, but did identify many lessons to be learned and significant areas needing change. To date, no ministers re- resigned and no police personnel were fi- fired. Despite singling out police incompetence, the Royal Commission makes makes excuses for police oversights and sloppy investigations. However, the Commission did not blame Parliament for not providing sufficient funding. The Royal Commission paints a picture of various arms of the state, health, security, and police, each having fragments of information but no way to piece together the whole. Security Security and Intelligence Service Director General Rebecca Kitteridge announced, The December report did not satisfy everyone, both the Muslim community and the firearms owners' organizations such as COLFO were disappointed. The Royal Commission worked hard to find excuses for government failings, even going so far as to abandon the possibility to accurately identify applicants who are fit and proper. In the New Zealand legal terminology, the Royal Commission speculated there was no way to predict the terrorists' violent actions from the information available. Then and now, despite finding many signs that suggested the applicant was violent, the Commission asserted that the Christchurch Christchurch terrorist could only have been stopped by chance. Despite this admission of government powerlessness, the Royal Commission did not abandon the principle that government is responsible for public safety. Indeed, the Commission recommended vastly expanding the powers of police and security agencies. The Royal Commission's finding that poor administration of existing legislation allowed a violent terrorist to arm himself critically undermines Arden's justification um, that the sweeping new firearms laws brought in following the attacks in Christchurch was required. The Government, now this is where it gets really interesting, my friends. The Government claimed the buyback was a success, but the Auditor General report was less positive. Finding the total of buyback was close to 200 million, including more than 35 million um, New Zealand dollars to administer, as well as at least 120 million for compens- uh, compensation for the surrendered firearms. Other New Zealander quest- Other New Zealanders questioned the buyback's success. Despite settle- um, setting up over 600 local collection events, the buyback failed to collect even a quarter of the newly prohibited firearms. Now that's something you're not going to hear anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. A quarter. They didn't even collect a quarter of the firearms in New Zealand. All these scary guns that they specifically banned, they didn't even get a quarter of them. It is too early to determine if the new firearms laws have had any impact on violent crime or terrorism. The buyback ended in December 2019, and the new gun laws were brought in in 2020. Only time will tell if massively centralizing the powers of of the New Zealand government will provide safety and security. Despite the Royal Commission revealing the government's failings for the terrorist attack, the Commission maintained its commitment to strong government. Arden claimed that safety was the responsibility of the government. Our duty is to keep everyone here safe. We have failed here and questions will be asked. Citizens have no role in providing safety even if the government admits it has failed to do so. New Zealanders are being treated as mothers would uh, deal with young children. The Canadian government would be wise to learn from this fiasco. Instead of imposing a buyback of semi-automatic assault-style firearms, the government should focus on strengthening border enforcement and anti-smuggling efforts, improve efforts to reduce suicide, particularly in the North, reforming prisons, and cracking down on violent criminals. So... There you have it. Um, there's clearly a discrepancy from what you're uh, you're hearing in the mainstream media than to what you're uh, to what's actually going on. And I was always skeptical. I, I always thought there's no way that they're actually getting <laughs> New Zealanders are just like Canadians, and I, I I was willing to bet that they weren't turning in their guns. And it turns out they weren't. So <clears throat> is the same thing going to happen in Canada? You can bet your bottom dollar. It's going to happen in Canada. Nobody's going to participate in this. And if they are, they're probably just going to get rid of their junk. <laughs> and hopefully get paid out for it. I can see them trying to exploit it. You know, By you got an old piece of crap, uh, CZ or whatever. And you're like, oh, how about here? Yeah, no, and it's worth fucking uh, $3,800. <laughs> we'll see. I think they did a cap on it. But uh, like I was saying, I just can't see anybody anybody buying into this and and clearly it's not happening in New Zealand either all right so that brings us to the end of another episode my friends as usual if you want to reach out to me you can find me on Facebook it's Canadian Patriot radio uh, use the message use the message button to uh, communicate with me directly for anything that you see fit uh, if you prefer email it's Canadian Patriot radio at gmail.com and uh, my personal favorite is the Telegram page, so uh, if you guys are on that on that platform, uh, look us up. It's uh, tme Radio. and then for those of you that prefer websites, it is CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. Any one of those avenues, and you can reach me directly. Any uh, and uh, the, I guess I should mention. Um, The show is starting to see some censorship again from the major uh, podcast platforms. I'm getting notifications from Spotify that they are pulling specific shows. So I would imagine that we are going to see another blanket censorship of CPR. Uh, And if that happens, whatever, Um, we can keep kind of punching back by... By uh, playing with the name and changing the name and all that stuff. So we'll keep it up one way or another. If, if they go complete censorship again, I will let you guys know. Um, in the meantime, though, the, Sound, the SoundCloud platform is running absolutely everything un, uh, uninterrupted. So if you're listening to the show um, via iTunes or Google Play or any of the other avenues that come uh, by way of the mainstream platforms... Maybe it's a good idea now if you want to continue listening to the show, which I hope you do, um, to switch over to SoundCloud because it's just so far been bulletproof. But hopefully that doesn't change. But uh, all the shows are available on SoundCloud uh, past the first censorship. Eventually I will get them all uploaded, absolutely every one. I was listening to some of the earlier shows and I'm not 100% sure if I want everybody to hear them. (laughs) We've come a long way in... in, uh, you know, just about, a, well, in August will be a year uh, that the show has been up. And uh, we've been basically censored uh, once, once and a half already. So, you know, um, we're, we're definitely over the target. Uh, we are catching flack from the, the big platforms. So that's, that just goes to tell me that we're doing exactly what we should be doing. So we're not going to change our format. Um, if they want to F with us, we'll F right back with them. <laughs> we uh, we I, You know, I didn't start this podcast to run away. When, uh, when the going got tough. I knew I was one of those people that would would talk about hard, hard topics that people don't like to talk about. And that's exactly why I'm doing this. And obviously it's working because uh, in this new fascist age that we live in, um, censorship is the number one tool used against uh, the voice of truth. Anyway, I will keep you posted on how that plays out. But for now, as far as I can tell, uh, we will be up on all the platforms for Uh, who knows we'll see (laughs) and if it does change i'll let you know anyway my friends thanks again for joining us for another episode and until next time with all thy sons command Joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.